0: Because during that song, they're like, pick me up, turn me around, place my feet. You know, T was up there. Jody, you both were killing those moves. Love it, love it, love it. Homework for next week. Everybody watch your kids rock video. We're all doing it in the room next week, all right? So I want us to get us started. You guys go ahead and have a seat. Um, I want to get us started with that song for just a moment because we're in this series called Finding the Way. If you don't know, my name is Clay. Nice to meet you. Um, (laughs) That's important. Um, But last week we talked about finding the way by responding. And when you respond to Jesus, you are rescued. Uh, Galatians 1.4, it says, Jesus gave his life for our sins. Just as God our Father planned... In order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. We have the chance to give our life to Jesus, to respond to him, to find the way and follow it. Now with what we're talking about today, we are taking a next step with that. Because once you make the decision to find the way and respond to it, we have a obligation. I'm going to use the term opportunity to go and help rescue other people because rescued people rescue people. And the whole idea of today is this concept of rescue. And I really do believe that following the way requires rescuing. We have that opportunity in front of us. We have that chance in front of us. And to really help us understand the importance of that idea, I wanna tell you guys a story. Uh, It's from 2010. And in 2010, there was this mine in Chile that collapsed. And this, when this mine collapsed, there were 33 men underground. To give you an idea of how dangerous of a situation this is, we can look at this picture. And we'll see that the miners that were, uh, the 33 miners were about 2,500 feet below the surface level. The mine initially collapsed around 1,500 feet So you have all these people above ground freaking out. They're worried. They're terrified. They have these 33 men that they have no idea if they are dead or if they are alive, and they are just worried. So they go, okay, how do we we find out? How do we go? So they start drilling these really small holes through the ground, and they're hoping that while they drill these small holes that the mine won't collapse even further. Once again, they have no idea if anyone's dead or alive. So for 17 straight days, they do this. They drill and they drill and drill until one day they drill down and they drill back up. And as they drill back up on the drill, they see this red paint. And with this red paint, they also find a note. And on this note, it it says, we are okay in the refuge. There are 33 of us, which means everyone was alive. It's a miracle so what they did once they found that is they sent some supplies and a small digital camera down that hole that they drilled just to help them for a couple moments while they try to figure out what to do from there and some of the pictures they took say a lot about the condition that they were in it was dark it was dirty they were stuck now the good news was that they had found them after 17 days the bad news is it was going to take a really, really long time to be able to get them out because once again, one mistake and the mind collapses and who knows what happens to them. So they spend month after month trying to, or week after week trying to figure out what do we do because they had to drill through a half mile of solid rock. And after doing this for two months after they found them, they got through. In total time, there were 69 days, $25 million, rescue workers working around the clock. Some NASA engineers were even helping out. But one by one, these miners were rescued through this tube. And I think about that situation. And I think about how the entire world was dialed into this moment. And the world was willing to do anything and everything to save these people are we willing to do the same for the people that we know are lost for the people that we know that are hurting for the people that we know that need to be rescued it's interesting they were rescued after 69 days which was months before it was expected And as the miners got out, they said that the reason that they believed that they were safe so early and alive at all was because they depended on their faith in the mines. One of them had a Bible and they read it and they said prayers and throughout the entire time they were down there, they clung to their faith and said, this will pass. We will get through this. And they did. And I think in the same way with our lives, when it comes to trying to rescue the lost what we have to do is cling to our faith and learn what to do by what Jesus taught us to do. And I'll talk about that specifically later. But the important thing to hear about this is this. There are people that are lost and that need to be rescued. What are you willing to do to save them? Now, you might be in here and you might be saying, I don't follow Jesus at all. This might be your first time at church. You might be coming for a long time. You're just saying, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's okay. Hang out with me. Hear what we're talking about today. My hope, and my prayer is that you'll see the heart behind why I want people to be rescued. There are three areas that we can rescue people. We're gonna talk about today. We can rescue people along the way. We can rescue people against the way. And we can rescue people across the way. And I do believe these, if we incorporate these in our life, people's lives will be changed and they will be rescued. So let's start by talking about rescuing people along the way. If you look at the life of Jesus, if you look at really the whole early church, what you'll see is a habit of people living their everyday life, telling someone about Jesus, and then their lives changing forever. Jesus himself did this in Luke 19 he was walking down the road he looked up in the tree he saw Zacchaeus he had a conversation with Zacchaeus and all of a sudden Zacchaeus gives his life to him we read this week in Acts chapter 3 and 4 about Peter and John going to the temple like they always do to go and pray and as they were going to the temple like they always do they saw this man that was on the ground that needed help they talked to him they healed him through the power of God and he gave his life to Jesus we see Philip walking down the road and he looks up and he sees this Ethiopian leader reading scripture. And all of a sudden he goes, okay, how can I help you understand that? Next thing you know, this Ethiopian leader begins to follow Jesus. What is happening is between Jesus, Peter, and John, Philip, is those guys were just living their life. And when an opportunity to talk about Jesus opened itself, they talked about Jesus. And I think the the point of this is, When something matters to you, you are willing to talk about it in your everyday life. When you see a chance to talk about it, you will, because we as people talk about what matters to us. There's some great examples of this I could give. I'll be honest right now. I had about three minutes carved out today to talk about how Notre Dame beat Ohio State. They did not beat Ohio State. I have too much happiness depending on 21-year-olds playing football, I can promise you that. So I'm gonna skip past that and talk about how Notre Dame football matters to me, and let's talk about CrossFitters, right? (laughs) CrossFitters talk about CrossFit because they love CrossFit. Or we have people who are vegan, right? They talk about being vegan and eating rabbit food. They love to talk about it, right? We have people who have a baby. People love to talk about their baby. They love to show pictures of their baby. And I love watching, like, a, p- a new parent show, like, a 22-year-old a picture of their baby because in the 22-year-old's brain, they're going, that baby looks like every other baby I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I don't know if that's a boy. I don't know if that's a girl, but they, I just know that I was so scared of babies before I had one because, like, I found out they had two soft spots. <laughs> that's scary, right? Like, so, like, you're just going, I, good baby, right? You just have no idea. So people talk about what matters to them. Football teams, sports teams. When we see an opportunity to talk about those things, we do it. Is the same thing true when it comes to Jesus? Are we willing to talk about Jesus when the opportunity presents itself? And I think this is where it gets really interesting because I think people have a a habit of saying, well, Clay, I I don't really know that many people that, that don't know Jesus. You're saying, I don't work with anybody that doesn't know Jesus. I don't go to school with anybody that doesn't know Jesus. And I would go, I don't know if that's exactly true. Because chances are, everyone that you work with doesn't know Jesus. Now, for me, I hope everyone knows Jesus. (laughs) If we don't, we need to reevaluate our hiring process. (laughs) But chances are not everyone you work with knows Jesus. Not everybody that you go to school with not everyone that's on your ball field not every parent that drops their kid off at the ball field knows jesus they might have a background of faith they might have gone to grandma's church they might come on christmas easter they might know a couple bible stories but not everybody knows and follows the way of jesus but we think they do and i think our eyes just aren't open to those opportunities And the reason our eyes aren't open is because our hearts aren't open. We don't sit here and our hearts break for the people who are lost, for the people that don't know, for the people that that are just struggling. And we go, oh, they're they're doing great. They've got a great life. Well, Yeah, your family, your family friend might be smiling on the outside, but they might be broken on the inside. Your coworker might have the perfect Instagram family, but you have no idea the argument that their spouse and them got into the night before. Your neighbor might have all the cool toys in the world, and you might be super jealous, but you have no idea that they have crippling debt and anxiety about every dollar that they spend. And the solution to these things is telling them about Jesus, because Jesus will show everybody a better way. But if our hearts aren't open and our eyes aren't open to seeing them in their pain in their hurt, then we'll just miss the opportunity. So I've got to say, we've got to open our hearts so that we can open our eyes. That means we have to be willing to change things. Because we like to say, oh, they are fine. But are they really fine? Or are you just fine with the status quo of your relationship with them? Are you cool with just keeping it how it is? You like giving it a little head nod and keeping it moving? You like just kind of being superficial? You like just moving on. Maybe we need to change that. And yeah, those conversations when you talk about Jesus will create a little bit of tension. It might be a little bit awkward. But what's better for them is for you to have those conversations when the opportunity presents itself. So we have to look at every single day, opportunities along the way of our life. When you go to lunch after this, look for an opportunity. When you go to the grocery store, look for an opportunity. When you're talking to the person that you park to next to every single day, look for an opportunity. And when there's an opportunity to talk about Jesus, take advantage of it and talk about him. And that could lead to you helping rescue them from the fire. This is something that my dad tried to just drill into me as I was growing up. He uh, made this rule uh, for me growing up and my siblings that we would all have to memorize jude the the book of jude in the bible the book of jude is about 25 verses it's his favorite book in the bible it's an incredible book it's got a lot of great stuff in it so i remember going okay i want to drive real bad i want to drive that jeep i'm gonna look super cool it's gonna be awesome so i'm gonna do whatever it takes to be able to drive so try to memorize it i go to him i fail i try to memorize it i go to him after a bunch of different times I finally got to the point where I was able to memorize and I told him as soon as I did he tossed me the keys and said now go get your license you got this it was an amazing moment and I remember at the time thinking well this is just something my dad's doing to challenge me but now I'm here 13 14 years later going no I see what he was really trying to do because there is a verse in Jude that says snatch others from the fire and I will never, ever, ever in my entire life forget that scripture and that message that was put into my head and my heart to snatch others from the fire because of what I did in that moment. It was a great memorization technique because he was trying to tell me that this matters. So I had it memorized. Now my siblings, they didn't have to memorize the book of Jude to get their license. Sometimes you try things with your first kid and you don't repeat it, all right? I was the guinea pig, but I'm glad I did, right? Because there is an opportunity everywhere we look to rescue people, to snatch them from the fire. This could be the super lost person that you know, or it could just be the person that you sit next to uh, at school. The opportunity is there in our everyday life. So rescue people along the way, but then, We have to rescue people against the way. And there's this story that I want to talk about just to kind of summarize it really quickly. But in the the New Testament, the book of Acts, there's this guy named Saul. And Saul is this big political and religious leader at the time. And he's starting to see Christianity rise up. He's starting to see people's lives change. He's starting to see the status quo of life really start to shift. And him and the other leaders don't like it. So what Saul does is he starts persecuting Christians. In fact, he was one of the leaders of the the guy who first martyred for the church, the first martyr for the church. He oversaw that that persecution killing. And he was a feared name throughout the area. People were terrified about him. They they didn't want anything to do with him. They were running from him. But then one day as Saul's going down the street, he encounters God and his life changes, but his life didn't stop there. There. He needed someone to come alongside of him, to care for him, to share with him, to baptize him, to help him gain a greater understanding. And God asked a man named Ananias to do so. This is where we pick up in the scripture. It says, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he replied, here I am, Lord. Get up and go to the street called Straight.'" to the house of judas and ask for a man from tarsus named saul since he is praying there lord ananias answered i have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in jerusalem and he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call your name he's saying god I, i can't do that he's against what we're trying to do I could die I could be persecuted I could be thrown in jail this is a problem like all these rules are going against me right now this is what the Lord says but the Lord said to Ananias go this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel God wanted him to go and tell someone who was against the way of Christianity. And that was a terrifying thing for him. And that's something that could be the case for all of us. We could look at the people that are against what you believe, that are against what you do, that are against the way that you live. And God's calling you to share the gospel with them. And that's really hard to do, and that's not something we want to do. But sometimes, the people that we want to tell Jesus about the least are the people that we need to tell Jesus about the most. That's what we saw in the early church. There was persecution. There's people against them. In fact, there was these wild rumors made up about them to persuade people from going into a life of following Christ. The book called Destroyer of God said this, Indeed, from early Christian texts, we get the sense that at local levels there were often hostile rumors, public harassment, and occasionally even local judicial proceedings against Christians. These rumors were likely the sort of wild accusations that we know from other sources that, for example, these are the rumors that were created, Christians engaged in orgiastic sex, incest, and cannibalism. People at the time who were against Christianity were saying, these people are wild. These people are crazy. You don't want anything to do with them. Was any of that true? No. But they were trying to make up these rumors so that people wouldn't want to follow them. And ultimately follow Jesus. Why though? Well, because at the time, there were all these false gods. And there's these temples and there there's these sacrifices made. So because people were starting to follow Jesus, they weren't going through the typical social and economic things that they had been doing. All of a sudden the money stopped, started to dry up. All of a sudden power started to decrease. And the people who were in control of those areas at the time started to get real worried. So they wanted to put an end to Christianity. So they put all this persecution in place. They put all these challenges in place. They put all these rumors in place. And what that caused the early church to do is it caused them to have to have great courage in sharing the gospel. Now, where you go to school, where you work, where you hang out, where you spend your time, you might say this is a very hard place to share the gospel because it is against the norm and it is against what is typically communicated here in these spots. And in those moments, I'm going to challenge you. Be creative. Use your platform. And have courage. Because when you are in those spots, you have a great opportunity to tell people who need to hear about Jesus. A good example of this is Demario Davis. If you don't know who Demario Davis is, he's a linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. And he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He's ranked number 43 in the NFL top 100 uh, this past year. And a couple weeks ago, the week before their first game, his daughter had been having some health problems and she ended up having a really bad seizure. And as she had a really bad seizure, she actually stopped breathing for a while. And as all this was happening and they were taking her in the ambulance and he was rushing to the hospital, he he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. Eventually the next day, she woke up and she was completely normal. In fact, he said that she was better than ever. And it was an amazing win for him and his family, but what was really cool about this is during his post-game press conference after week one, he got up on that post-game presser and he told this story. He said, people, if you need something from God, go to him, ask him. He can change your life. He can help you. He can be there for you. And it was this powerful message and honestly, it blew up on social media. It was everywhere I saw people talking about it, people were celebrating it. It was a great way for him to have courage and to share his story and share how God moved in his life. It was awesome. And I sat there and I saw that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I kind of put it out of my brain because I was like, that was a one-time thing. But this past week, After a Monday night football game, he got up for his post-game presser again, and he acknowledged what had occurred after the past week and challenged the believers to go and do something similar to him. So go ahead and watch this clip with me.
1: Another thing was, it was an overwhelming support, amount of support just from uh, fellow believers and Christians around the country. I want to thank them for that um, and I think the phrase that is used oftentimes is man that's awesome what you're doing with that platform that you have um, but at the end of the day that's what we are to be doing as Christians that's what we are to be doing as believers is sharing the gospel preach the gospel. the word says for I am unashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God to bring salvation to all who believe it's the power of God and that's what our world is needing. And that's not just talking about salvation for the spirit. That's talking about salvation for the soul. People who are hurting, people who are going through present day situations who need healing and need God in their life. And only the power of God can save them. So, what I want to encourage every Christian, not just Christians with a platform, preach the gospel, share the gospel. In our schools, our schools need God. Share the gospel. In our courtrooms, our courtrooms need God. Share the gospel. In the hospitals, our hospitals need God. Share the gospel. Preach the gospel. It is the power of God that will bring salvation. And I can't be the only person that feels like our nation needs salvation. And I think that's why that that message was so powerful and spread is because people are looking for salvation. So share the gospel. So, unfortunately, we'll be doing this again. I'll be sharing about football later in the week. Thank y'all for y'all time. Listen.
0: I love that story because he saw an opportunity in front of him, and he took it. Now, were there people that were probably in that press conference room, probably running the cameras, probably running the switchers in the back, and they're going, Oh boy, oh boy, where's he going with this? Where's he going with this? Probably, yeah. But he knew he had a platform. He knew he had an opportunity. And no matter what was coming against him, he took advantage of that chance. Colossians 4, uh, 5 and 6 says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We have opportunity to rescue people against the way. It doesn't mean we be confrontational. Doesn't mean we try to smack them in the face with Jesus. Means we have our conversations be full of grace. We share them the good news. And when we do that, it's gonna communicate a great message to them that could change their life. So we wanna rescue people. We rescue people along the way we rescue people against the way, and then we rescue people across the way. There's this another scripture I would like to read to you guys. It's 48 verses long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. The summary of it is this. There's this guy named Cornelius, and he's this Roman centurion, which means he's a soldier, which means he's a Gentile, and he receives this vision instructing him to send for Peter, who is a leader in the early church. At the same time, Peter is there as he's standing there, and he's just doing his own thing, he receives a vision from God. And inside this vision from God, he realizes that God shows no favoritism between the Jewish people, which he was, and the Gentile people, which the Roman centurion was. So Peter ends up going to the Roman centurion's house, and as he's there, he preaches the gospel, and the the centurion and his family come to faith. This was a great moment, because it showed the world in the early church that God shows no favoritism, and it's a broader, inclusive community where anybody, no matter their, their race, their background, their ethnicity, their mistakes, that they could come to know who Jesus is. This really wild moment, taking two very opposite cultures and allowing them to come together in community. And I think South Carolina understands this concept really well and is really bad at it. Here's why. South Carolina fans, where are you at? Okay. Do I have any Clemson fans in the house? Okay, Carolina fans, what do you think when you see this logo? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Clemson fans, what do you think? There we go. There we go. All right. Let's flip this. Clemson fans, what do you think of this logo? Carolina fans? Okay. We have established there is division in our church. All right, <laughs> this is a good thing. This is healthy. What's happening is that's very similar to the Jewish and Gentile people at the time. They're on opposite ends of the spectrum. Now I got crossover. I know in a few months when you guys play each other, you're not going to hang out with other people, and you're going to rub it in their face when one of your team wins. Right? Like, it's going to be part of the process, and that's kind of how it was. The Jewish people and the Gentile people were completely against each other, but there came this moment where there was crossover or they're under the umbrella of one community. And this is kind of hard to visualize, but in my true college football way, this is the only way I can visualize it and make it make sense from this regard. Daryl, what you think of that one? (laughs) There's just something kind of wrong about that, isn't there? Is it, it? ain't pretty, right? I, I think that I think the Carolina logo, though, with the Clemson color, looks pretty good. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> but this is how we understand this, right? These two very different communities that did not like each other all of a sudden came together as one, right? There? We're <laughs> so we have this concept, right? We have this now. This is kind of how it is. When it comes to your faith, it's not just the people that are in your circle. It's people to the ends of the world. That's where God, that's where Jesus told us to take the gospel. God wants people to the ends of the earth to know who he is. And we have to be willing to be people who will go and share that message with others. I grew up um, listening to my dad tell stories. He ended up writing a book about a lot of his adventures doing this. Um, it's called get dirty it's on ibooks you can check it out there but he would tell me stories about him handing flowers to prostitutes in amsterdam and and taking gum out of a child's pocket in a village in haiti and having to eat it because the kid offered it to him and a bunch of other stories that i was like wow that is that is so inspiring i want to go do that So in high school, I went to Haiti twice, and it was a life-changing experience. It was a great experience. It was certainly something that really affected me, and I'll share some of those stories about that at some point on this stage. But I think what happens is we hear about rescuing people across the way, and we go, man, this is something so far away from me that I can't even fathom telling people across the world who Jesus is. So we hear these stories of people in our church even, going on mission trips to the DR, to Europe, to Asia. And it, these are amazing things, but we go, ah, I can never do that. And while yes, the scripture means literal to the ends of the earth, I think there's another way we can interpret it for personal application. We should be taking to the, the gospel to the ends of our earth. Think about it. Who's on the fringe of your life? Who doesn't look like you? Who doesn't act like you? Who's the person that sits at the end of the lunch table by themselves? Who's the person at practice that's the worst player on the team so nobody really talks to him? How can you talk to them? Who's the parent that seems to struggle every time you're at a ball field? Who's the coworker that doesn't get any attention? How can you share the gospel with them we are called to take the scriptures we're called to take the good news we're called to take jesus to the ends of the earth so that people can be rescued so we take it along the way to people against the way all the way across the way now, the interesting thing about this whole conversation that we've had today is i actually haven't told you guys how to tell someone yet Acts 15, 19, it it says it very simply. It says, therefore, in my judgment, we should not cause difficulty for those among the Gentiles who turn to God. A whole lot of background I can share about that scripture, but the point I want to make out of it is this. The message that will rescue people is a very simple message. The message that will rescue people is this. You matter to Jesus. And when people hear that as you are going along the way in life, whether that's at the restaurant or the grocery store, at work, at your kid's drop-off line, that could change their life. For the people that are against you and what you believe and, and faith, that could change their life because how powerful of a message is it for them to hear when they hate on what you do and what you believe, for them to hear that they matter to Jesus. For the people that are across the way, whether that is literally across the world or across your hallway, how much is it going to matter to them that they matter to Jesus? And that's all we got to share. That's all we got to say. We just got to say, hey, you matter to Jesus. And we got to let Jesus do the rest. I think Sometimes we get caught up like, hey, I got to change this person's habits. I gotta change this person's lifestyle. I gotta help them do this, I gotta help them do that. Yeah, you can come alongside of them, great. But here's our no. there's 99 days left in 2023, which means in 99 days we'll all be setting New Year's resolutions that we will not accomplish. <laughs> if we can't change our own habits, how are we expected to change someone else's, right? So we just gotta let Jesus do his thing. And we gotta let people know that they matter to him because when people find out that they matter, they end up finding what matters. So I'm gonna challenge us. Who is someone along the way in your life that needs to know that they matter to Jesus? Who is someone against the way? Who is someone across the way? And I want you to take that. I want you to pray to God and say, God help me be a part of the story that rescues them. And you ask him for the opportunity to share, and you see what he does. We have an opportunity as rescued people to go and rescue people. Will you go do that? I said at the beginning of the message, it's really interesting. There's this whole idea that that we've been talking from a very already following Jesus' point of view. but There's some of you in here that have never made that decision, to be rescued. I was told a story on Thursday night, uh, a little bit more background about the story I told about the Chilean miners. It turns out there was a person inside of that group that had no faith. And as they spent time down there. As they read scriptures, as they prayed, one of the miners actually came to faith down in the mine. Rescued people, rescue people. And I want you to know this, if you do not follow Jesus, there's a chance for you to respond today and be rescued just like I was, just like many people in this room have. And you might feel like you are along the way today, that you just showed up for whatever reason. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you saw something on social media. Maybe you just had a burst of, of uh, inspiration. where You're like, all right, I'm going to go to church today. And you had no idea what you were getting yourself into. Well, I want you to know you matter to Jesus. Maybe you're in here and you've been against the way. Maybe it's because of something in your past. Maybe it's because of something that you've experienced. Maybe it's because of something you learned or you were taught. I want you to know, even in your attention towards God, God still loves you. Some of you, you feel like you're across the way where you feel far from God. You feel distant from him. You feel like, man, I could never get close to God because maybe it's something you made a mistake or maybe because you've just been an outsider your entire life. I want you to know that Jesus sees you so much and loves you so much that he would come down from heaven to earth, live a perfect life here on this earth and die after 33 years, raised from the dead, so that we could have life and life to the full, so that we could know that we matter to him and we could have eternity with him in heaven forever. Guys, I want people to be rescued, whether that is you who have responded to go out and rescue people or those of you in here that have not made that decision and you are going, man, I need to be rescued. So we're gonna go into a time of response here in a second. And during this time, we're going to have the chance to, to take communion, remind ourselves of the sacrifice Jesus made with his broken body and his blood spilled. Or the chance to, to pray with somebody in our connect corners if you're going, man, I just want to pray for the opportunity to rescue someone. Or maybe you're going, man, I need rescue. We'd love to pray with you there. Maybe you want to take the step of baptism today because you want that symbolic going from death to life. Maybe you just, in your seat, just say, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. Whatever it is. We can be rescued, and then we can leave here today with an attempt to go rescue others. Find the way by rescuing. Why don't you guys stand with me? I'm gonna pray. Jesus, thank you for rescuing. Lord, I pray that we just follow you.